Life happens day to day, and God knows I've been changing with it. We have to, right? We hear a lot about celebrities and the stories of what they've overcome. I wanted to do a show that highlights some of the not-so-well-known overcomers and what can happen if we just keep going. Published author, life and business coach, fitness coach, pastor, teacher, and worship leader, visionary and creative. She's functioned as all of these at some point, and now she's wearing some new hats as creator, producer, director, and host of her own television show. She is Toya Hawkins. So where should we start? Let's start at the beginning. As a young child, I grew up in San Francisco, California with a single mom who did everything she could to take care of me. I remember her working many different jobs just to make sure that she and I had everything that we needed. Especially during the Christmas time, I remember her working second jobs so that she could um, get the gifts that I wanted and the things that she wanted to get me. I remember uh, having a Christmas tree as early as four years old. I remember having a tiny Christmas tree in my a closet of a room and it was on my desk or dress dresser in that room. I remember the fun times that we had. Um, it was just me and her. We do things like she'd take me down to Woolworths in San Francisco downtown and we'd sit at the counter and eat on Saturdays. I always had a turkey and dressing dinner. <laughs> and then I remember also going to, I think it was called the something pan on top of Emporium Catwells. Anybody remember Emporium Catwells? Uh, we'd go there and of course I'd have a turkey dinner. <laughs> I remember going to the fabric store and picking up fabric on the weekends. I remember her sewing and making her clothes for the for that night. Like if she was going out, she we'd go get the fabric and she'd pin it all out and then she'd cut it and then sew it and then wear it that night. I remember making dinner for her when she was working because I was a latchkey kid. And so I went to school and came home and let myself in, did my homework, watched some television. Of course, I watched television because I loved television. And then started dinner. And she would walk me through it on the phone if I didn't know how to do it. Um, if she had already taught it to me, then I could just do it on my own. When I was a kid, I don't remember being lonely, even though I was an only child, because I had a lot of cousins. And so we spent a lot of time together. And so I was always with, you know, family um, for the most part on the weekends. And so I don't necessarily remember being lonely. And even when I was at home during the week, um, I had the television. <laughs> Um, and I watched everything on television. I watched The Brady Bunch. I watched Leave It to Beaver. I watched Father Knows Best. I watched Good Times. I watched all of the shows that were on at that time. And I've always loved movies. I was I really loved Shirley Temple movies and The Bowery Boys. And I, I loved watching The Little Rascals and all of these different things that kept me going. I wrote poetry then. Uh, I also played the piano then. 
So there were a lot of things that kept me occupied, even though I was by myself. I did like to read. I was a very curious child. My family called me, <laughs> they called me Jabberjaws. And the reason was because I talked nonstop. Now, some people might say the same thing about me now, but I definitely don't talk as much as I used to. But at that time, I did. I talked nonstop. I, I didn't realize that it was a gift from God. Neither did my family. They just wanted me to be quiet. <laughs> Little did they or I know that this gift of gab would be what God would use to help people in the world today. What kind of child was I? So I loved to dance. I loved to sing. I loved music. Every dance that there was that came out, I knew it. <laughs> Every piece of music that came out, you know, in the early 70s, I knew it. I've always loved music. I still love music. I, I listen to all kinds of genres. I love classical. I love Latin jazz. I love gospel music. I love contemporary Christian. I love R&B. I like lots of different kinds of music. And so back then, I listened to music a lot. To some degree, I was, uh, I don't necessarily know that I was an old soul, as they say, per se, but I did like to sit in front of a big picture window and drink tea, <laughs> you know, when when it was raining outside and just listen to my music and look out the window and watch the people go by. Uh, I was inquisitive. I can remember asking lots of questions. I wanted the answers to things. And that was one of the reasons I was so talkative. But I also had a lot of, a lot of things to say. I felt like I had a lot of information that I wanted to also share with other people. They didn't necessarily want to hear it, <laughs> but I had it to share. And I was a friendly person. I, I would take myself as being friendly. I didn't mean anyone any harm. I wasn't a fighter at the time when I was young. I was just, you know, me. Probably a little more innocent than a lot of people, but I was just me. I was a really good student, straight A student, but I didn't necessarily like school. The one thing that I can remember <laughs> about being in school, my grades would always be great, but I would always have a teacher's comment on my report card saying, Toya's a great student. She gets really good grades. She finishes her work. She knows what she's doing. She's got the, the, the information, but she just talks too much. Or they would say, <laughs> but she just socializes too much in you know the upper grades in high school they just give me the a and give me a u <laughs> i've always been confident or at least i would think i i think i've always been confident but i've also always been very sensitive i can remember as a small child that i cried easily you know there were things that would touch me if you said something the wrong way or you did something i could cry because i was really sensitive but at the same time, I was very confident in who I was and what I was doing and what I, how I presented myself. And I think that's because of the people that I was around. The women in my life were very strong women. My mother, my aunt, my godmother, 
my grandmother. They were all very strong women. And without them having to say to me, be strong, they were showing me how to be strong. And without them saying to me, be confident, the lives that they were living showed me that they were confident. They, I don't remember them being hesitant in regards to sharing how they felt. Uh, I remember on many occasions being around when they in fact let it be known exactly how they felt. <laughs> very clearly, very concise, very matter-of-factly. And I think I learned that from them and, and it, it plays a part in, in even who I am right now. Was everything pleasant in my childhood? No, everything wasn't pleasant. I was actually bullied and I can remember being chased to the bus stop the last day of third grade. And the reason was it was a, a boy that was chasing me because during the school year, there were some things that were going on that he wanted me to participate in and I didn't want to participate. And I being the innocent one and not knowing necessarily the code of the street, <laughs> I told the teacher and uh, he didn't like that. And so the last day of school, he chased me to the bus stop with a score of children running behind him, trying to see him um, pummel me because I wasn't a fighter. I really wasn't. Uh, I was a lover. I was somebody that I didn't really, you know, I didn't mess with anybody. I wasn't trying to get uh, myself in trouble with people. I think though, because I was somewhat naive to the way things happen, you know, in the street or amongst some of the kids, I just used what I had. And all I had was my intellect and my verbiage. And so if someone said something to me, I just would answer them back. But I didn't necessarily have the skills to fight them <laughs> when they heard what it was that I, you know, had to say when I told them my truth. I had the same problems when I got to middle school. And um, my last day of middle school, eighth grade, I was also chased to the bus stop this time by a female with, again, a group of people running behind her to watch her beat me up. <laughs> um, I'm laughing about it now because, you know, looking back at it, it was scary at the time. Well, I'm no longer in it. But looking back at it, I realized that I didn't have the skills, you know, I was by myself. I didn't have people that were with me all the time. And I didn't have the skills to fight back physically. I was an intellectual person to some degree and so, uh, and a verbal person. And so I just, you know, is, can we just talk? Like, can we get along? Why do we have to fight? I don't know how to fight. I don't want to fight. Can we just talk? That was, that was my thing. People didn't want to talk. They wanted to fight. Well, by the time I got to high school, I was done with that. And although I didn't have a bunch of fights and although I didn't start fights, from the inside out, I had made a decision that I wasn't running anymore. And I just wasn't taking any bullying anymore either. And so high school was a lot different for me. Do I think bullying affected me? 
absolutely absolutely experiencing being bullied for many years in your life what it does is it can lead you to feel that who you are is not good enough for people to like or what you bring to the table is not something that people want. When I had made up my mind that I wasn't going to deal with this anymore, I got this fighting spirit inside of me. It, it affected me in the sense that I was determined that I was going to fight for myself anytime that I needed to afterwards, that I wasn't going to back down, that I wasn't going to hesitate if approached, that I wasn't going to run. And I think that has a major part of how I am today, not necessarily in terms of dealing with people, but just dealing with life. So, yeah. What was high school like for me? I enjoyed high school. Um, I had friends. I wouldn't have considered myself to be popular. I don't, I wasn't popular per se, uh, but I had, you know, I had my group of friends that I hung out with and um, I met my now husband in high school. I had a lot of fun in high school. I was a good student, like I said. I was a cheerleader. I ran track. I ran hurdles. Um, I graduated in three years and I was 16 at the time of graduation and I turned 17 maybe a couple of weeks later. So I decided that I would work a year before going to college. So I worked for a year and then after that year I went ahead and went to St. Mary's College which is the same school that my then boyfriend now husband was at um, and I started my four-year journey at St. Mary's College of Moraga, California. I got a, a a bachelor's degree in communications and diversified liberal arts. My husband and I got married the summer before. So then my last year, uh, I ended up getting pregnant and found out a week after graduation. I decided to stay home with my daughter. And uh, that began my stay-at-home mom journey. Even when I was a child I had decided that I wanted to be a stay home a stay home mom I think it was all that Brady Bunch and leave it to beaver and <laughs> all those mothers that I saw stay at home on television I just I guess decided that's what I wanted to do too and I was home for at least 16 years during that time there was a lot that went on my second daughter who's named after me her name is Toya she's a junior Maybe in the, I guess it was maybe her second month, um, due to having a vaccine that night, she started having seizures. And I think she was probably two or three months, something like that. She began to have seizures. And at first I had no idea what was happening. Her arm was kind of just jerking. And I didn't know what was going on, but because it happened the evening of a vaccine, when we contacted the hospital, they told us what was going on and, and began to monitor and that escalated and she began to have more. And I, I can remember 
how scary it was because I didn't know how to take care of her. Or at least I didn't think I knew how to take care of her. And I remember when she was maybe around six months, I remember they told us that we didn't need to come to the hospital every time and that we would have to give her medication and that I would have to give her this medication every day. I remember hearing the doctors say this and I remember thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? I had never dealt with anything like that before. I had never had the responsibility of dealing with something like that before. So in my mind, I was thinking my child's, you know, my child's life is in my hands. I don't know how to do this. And I was very afraid that I wasn't going to be able to do what I needed to do uh, to, to help her and to take care of her. Her seizures didn't stop. They escalated and it went from maybe one seizure every few days to a seizure every day to seizures at least five to six times a week. If she had a fever or a cold, especially a fever, she could she could easily have 10 to 12 to 15 seizures in one night. That's the reality of it. It was very, very hard. And uh, it was hard. <laughs> I remember one night having a dream. I was in a tornado and I was going up the middle of the tornado. Initially, I wasn't saying anything. I was just going up the center of the tornado and I could see everything swirling around me. And as I got to the top, when I started to shoot up through the top of the tornado, I began to yell, no, God, no, no, God, no, no, I can't go yet. I can't go yet. My family needs me. And I do believe that if I had not done that, that I would have passed away in my sleep. That's what I believe. She was seizing at least five to six days a week. There were times when I literally thought I was going to lose my mind. I remember there was a day where I could feel myself slipping and I can't describe it any other way than I could feel myself slipping. And I had to hold it together. I had to hold it together because I had my older daughter. And by then I had a younger daughter as well. Would I consider that to be the lowest point in my life? I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would consider it to be the lowest time in my life. I've had several. And I don't know that I can actually rate them and think <laughs> This one was lower than the other because so I've had a few very low points. One of which uh, happened, I guess, in I want to say maybe it was 2004. And it was when I had my first bout with panic attacks. And that was a very low time as well because uh, the way I describe it, uh, describe it to people is, you know, I literally felt like someone picked me up, threw me against the wall 
and I came back, you know, shaking. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that I was in that place. I, I didn't know how I got there, why I was there, but I was there. Um, and it took a while for me to get out. It took a few months for me to get out of that um, place where I wasn't shaking. Um, I was afraid to go outside. And it really wasn't that I was afraid to of outside as much as it was that I was afraid that if I went outside, I would have the panic attack. Because panic attacks are such that you feel like you're going to just die. You, you, you have a hard time breathing. You're afraid. Your heart is pounding. It's scary just going through the panic attack. And so you try to keep yourself in a place that seems safe because that place makes it seem like you won't have an attack. And a lot of times that's in your home. Going outside becomes a problem because you think that the things that are outside are going to stimulate you in a way that's going to cause you to have a panic attack. I dealt with that at least for three or four months. It, it was devastating because on the drop of a dime as it comes, you can't stop it right then. So uh, I was in a fix. I was in a fix. And that was a really hard time. What did I do? Well, I prayed a lot, of course, and I talked to God a lot and I read scriptures and I slept days away and I went to therapy, <laughs> watched game shows and things that made me laugh. I watched comedy uh, because I couldn't even listen to the television, the, the music, if it was suspense music or if it was um, danger music or, you know, music to that nature that would set me off in terms of uh, sparking anxiety and stress. So I was very cautious about what I watched and how I did it. But I always made myself go outside even though I didn't want to. I had to make myself go outside because I felt that if I didn't make myself go out that I would stay inside. It wasn't until I think a couple of years ago, I believe I was having a conversation with one of my daughters that I actually acknowledged the trauma that I have experienced in my life. I don't think we usually acknowledge enough the trauma that we experience. And maybe I should just speak for myself. I don't think that I really acknowledged it. I just kept going. I just kept going, but without dealing with a lot of the trauma and I think that's kind of how I ended up having panic attacks. I don't think I had really dealt with the trauma that I experienced all those years with my daughter having those seizures in the early years and I also don't think I had dealt with the trauma of the fear of being bullied, the fear and the pain that I experienced with that. Both of those they affected me in ways that I didn't realize. I value my relationship with God very much. I don't know how I can make it through any of the things. You know, I whenever I go through things, I definitely always say, I don't know how anybody does it without God. It's hard enough with him. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, I don't know how people do it without him. 
what got me to writing books? It started with poetry. So I, I wrote poetry when I was uh, young. I've been writing poetry since I was a kid. And so it started with poetry. My first published book was a book that I published in 2000 called Dreams Alive. It's a book of poetry and inspirational writing. I have always been a person that expresses herself. And it started out, you know, verbally with me expressing myself by talking. Uh, but then it became me writing down what it is that I wanted to express to the world as well. And so the book, the first book with poetry and inspirational writing was just um, an extension of what I had been doing all along. And I think uh, after that, I think my writing uh, of books turned into, well, let's see what else I can do. I have ideas. And so like when I wrote my novel um, in a year's time, that came about just because I had a story in my head about this woman and the kind of things that she experienced in her, in her life in a year's time. And I decided, you know, let me go ahead and write this down. <laughs> I just want to express myself in a lot of a lot of different ways. So that's where my writing comes from. Me expressing what I'm thinking and what I feel is important for other people. When I wrote my um, my devotional. I have a 30 day devotional book um, called Continue. 30-Day Journey, Walking with God in Hard Times. That book, I actually wrote while I was having the panic attacks. In the middle of that, I was writing to people and sharing with them what it was to walk with God. And I was writing about this while I was in one of the hardest times of my life. There was still this desire to communicate with other people. There was this desire to express myself and express what I was feeling while I was going through this. And that's how that book came about. Um, I, how did I get to the place where I was hosting my own television show? With Just Keep Going, it actually happened like really fast. I hadn't been thinking about doing a show at all. I'm sure God had his own plans, but I, I say I happened upon it. I did not know that this was something that was going to happen. It wasn't something where he told me this was something that was on the way. I had been sick since September, or August or September of 2020. We were in the pandemic already, um, but somehow uh, I got really, really sick when the fires in California were going on because of all the smoke. I had already had a diagnosis of asthma, but had never really actually had, you know, a real asthma attack except one time, but nothing really, really super, super major. And so I really didn't understand what was going on. And um, my lungs just, I started having a real problem when we were covered in smoke and it just got progressively worse to the point where literally I couldn't breathe. And it seemed a lot of times I wondered if I actually had uh, the virus because a lot of the symptoms were 
similar. Uh, I had shortness of breath. I could not breathe. Uh, but then it, it got worse and it seemed like maybe it was pneumonia. I was sleeping a lot. I could barely breathe. For at least four to five months, I had a really hard time breathing. And when I say a really hard, I mean panting. I mean, uh, I could not, it, I couldn't, I would not have been able to talk like this. I could not keep a conversation. I could barely do anything. Uh, I couldn't walk. Uh, I still have a hard time with a lot of things, but uh, obviously I can talk now, which I couldn't then. And uh, those five to six months were very scary. I was on a lot of medication. Uh, I've never been in that way before. All of the things that I would normally do, I couldn't do. I couldn't sing. I was a worship leader. I couldn't sing. Uh, I was a teacher. I couldn't teach. I was coaching. I couldn't coach. I couldn't do anything. It was just stop. And uh, that was really hard. I would consider that a very, this this last seven eight months to be one of those times where it was very low and very challenging. There were some really dark times as well because I didn't know when things were going to change. I believed that they were going to change, but I had no idea when. And the pain that I was in, I'm still in pain, but the pain that I was in maybe six months ago, um, it was really bad. And I didn't know how I was going to get out of that. I didn't know when I was coming out of it. So that was really, really hard. When I heard about the opportunity to do a show, I was in my bed. I had gotten on a social media platform, a new one. I was listening to people talk and I was in my bed in pain, barely being able to breathe that people were pitching for shows and I was listening to all the people do their pitches and all of a sudden I had this thought you could do that <laughs> you should pitch a show without thinking about it I decided I'm gonna pitch a show the next week I pitched the show and I just decided you know what I'm going to apply to be accepted to this network and I remember thinking for a few minutes I remember thinking why are you doing this because you're sick you're sick right now how are you going to accomplish this and then i remember thinking shouldn't you wait until you're better and then i remember thinking to myself no because i don't know when i'm going to be better i've got to do this now and figure out how to do it. What I can do is manage my time, plan, and execute. But this is not the time to hesitate or back away or decide I'm going to wait until I'm better because I don't know when that is going to be. I don't know what it is that you've desired to do, and I don't know what opportunities have come your way, but I want to encourage you to be aware of what's in front of you and make a wise decision because we don't know how much time we have here. 
I'm not trying to function in fear. It's just being sober minded and understanding that I don't want to look back and say, you know, I could have done that show. I should have done that show. But I decided that I was too sick to do it. No, I decided that I was going to take this sickness in tow (laughs) and just keep going. You might not be able to tell, but I'm in pain right now. The thing is, is that, you know, I decided I could be in pain and not be doing anything, or I could be in pain and be accomplishing some of my dreams. That's the whole thing when it comes to just keep going, when it comes to just keep moving forward, because you don't necessarily know what it is that God may be taking you to. I I had no idea that I was going to be doing a television show right now. I had no idea that the things that I was doing the last six to seven years were walking me right to this place. I didn't know that, but because I kept going, I walked right into what it was that God had set up for me in this area. Life isn't always going to bring you what you want or what you think. Sometimes it's going to bring you things that hurt, Sometimes it's going to bring you things that you never saw coming. And sometimes it's going to bring you things that you just would not want to come. You would not wish them on your worst enemy. But what do you do with it? What do you do with the things that come your way? That is the question. Whatever answer you have is how your life is going to go. I choose to trust God. Lean into God and just keep going. Again, thank you for being on with me tonight. I hope that there was something in this episode that has inspired you and will cause you to want to just keep going. Thank you for watching this episode of Just Keep Going. If you'd like, you can find more of this interview at ToyaHawkins.com.